Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The SAC, taking you inside the Festival State's tennis community. Thanks to Langman and Lay Elite Tennis Academy. Providing coaching for all standards and ages in a group or private setting at Glenlee Tennis Club. Inquire at LLETATennisAcademy at gmail.com or follow on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Welcome to edition 6 of season 2 of the SAC. I'm Bevan Jones where each month I take you inside the South Australian tennis community. In our 6th edition for 2023, I catch up with 11 year old Luke Modra, son of the legendary AFL superstar Tony and forging his own journey as an up and coming tennis star. I catch up with Athletic Development and Physical Performance Coach for Tennis Australia, Andrew Ferner, who happens to be responsible for keeping Luke in shape. And I speak with Michael Derrer, a great local tennis player who had his life turned upside down when he ended up in a wheelchair due to a multiple sclerosis diagnosis. Michael Derrer is a true example of a positive mindset, despite being dealt the toughest of blows. Michael was a terrific local tennis player until he was diagnosed with MS in the early 2000s, which meant he ended up in a wheelchair permanently. I caught up with Michael to find out how he's dealt with the challenges, the huge success of wheelchair tennis, and advice for those going through some tough times. Well, I was still playing uh, Div 1 on a Saturday comp, and I, I started to get some feeling um, that my something was happening. I didn't know what it was, but I was starting, my legs started to drag behind me, and after about, oh, I don't know, seven, ten minutes, I just couldn't move anymore. I was just frozen. I couldn't, you know, and I worked out and people said, no idea what it is. You know, I went and saw my chiropractor. He thought, well, mate, you're having a midlife crisis. Why don't you go and get a Harley and uh, see how that goes? And I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, I'll be on my own definitely if I get a Harley. So, <laughs> but then I just played a little bit more and, and the same kept happening and, Virtually two years after, I was about 45 at the time. Yeah, could not do anything. And, and I still work, but, and it's sort of when I was working as well, and I was selling beer or alcohol for a living. And so it wouldn't have been a good look, me staggering out of a hotel with the MS. So, yeah, it took, like I say, it took from the time after those little symptoms started, it took two years to diagnose. Because you can have different levels of MS, can't you? And so it sounds like you've had the real, real tough end of the bargain, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, I got primary progressive with active lesions. So oh. yeah. So I got the I got the full the full full works, the hamburger with the lot. <laughs> oh, gee whiz. And it's it's really nice to see that you're so positive about the situation because that must have been such a, a I guess a horrible setback for you, knowing that you've gone from being an able-bodied, really good tennis player to ending up in a wheelchair. Yeah, it, it was just do you know that the funny thing is, and I shouldn't I shouldn't say funny, but the thing is. Once I did get diagnosed in 2000, and particularly I got diagnosed on MS Day, if you can believe that, after a spinal tap, it was a relief to find out that I wasn't going loony and that there it was actually something. 
because I was having dizzy spells, my life was changed. I was just going, I was falling asleep at the drop of a hat. Um, as soon as I sat down, watched a bit of TV, I'd be asleep. So yeah, life certainly changed very quickly. And of course, the shock sets in after. Since that time, you've been playing wheelchair tennis, is that correct? I did for a little while, but it is a young person's sport. I'll <laughs> say that it wasn't so much that, but I was still having issues from the MS, like vertigo, fatigue, um, all those sort of things. So after playing a couple of matches and, and the first match, took three and a half hours in 38 degree heat in Melbourne. I was a little bit fatigued after and I went and played the next day or yeah, and I was shot. But then we sort of said, what sort of treatments are available? And uh, yeah, so that was my next thing was to go to Russia and have stem cell treatment. Has that helped you out? It certainly has. I mean, uh, can't fix the damage that's been done already. Um, and there is a lot of on my spinal cord and on the brain, there's lesions on the brain. But what it did do is fix, it stopped the progression, supposedly. Well, they said 85% of it, it stopped the progression. No more fatigue in the heat and no more vertigo. And cognitive-wise, I say I'm a lot better, but my wife still begs to differ. And what about growing up playing tennis? So tell us about your junior career. Well, yeah, I started pretty late, nearly at the age of 13. Just went down to a local club down at Norlunga with a mate of mine who was already playing. He said, why don't you come out? Went out and done all that. Yeah, started from there at 13. First, when I thought, all right, well, I'm just going to learn how to play. And, you know, you start wherever you start and then you progress up and you progress up and you you win your junior tournament. And then, you know, you're all of a sudden you're in seniors and you're winning your senior tournament and then you're winning the association tournament. Then you're thinking, well, what's going on here? Like, you know, maybe I'll give it a bit of a go so and that's what I did so I I did travel overseas when I was very young at 15 and played in German club tennis I've got a bit of a German background my dad was born there and mum was born in Switzerland so I ventured that and I had to make a promise to my mum and dad that yes after that one year off that I would go back to school and finish off you know year 11 and 12 I only done year 11 and then said no nah, I've had enough so yeah so I just kept playing sport and I was playing winter football like Aussie rules I played a little bit down at Glenelg and uh, then I was playing in summer was playing tennis and which which clubs did you say you played did you play for Nolunga yep played for Nolunga to start with when Marlene Anderson was my first coach and then uh, Ray Moyle was my second coach um, and then I had one more, really, which was um, Barry Phillips Moore. What an experience going overseas with um, Barry. He was he was better known overseas than he was in Australia. And we'd be hitting with him on at Roland Garros as an example. And there would be more people watching him train Mark Woodford, Tom Nyson, Carl Limberger, and then the other ones like myself were on the other court. And people were in awe of what he, what he used to do or what to be able to do. So, yeah, it was a, an amazing experience. Yeah, it was just uh, people would be coming up to him, like John McEnroe would come up, Vetus Gerolitis, who was my idol, Vetus Gerolitis, Guillermo Vilas, and just these guys would be, hi, Barry, how are you going? And we'd be, I'd be in awe, I'd be just standing there, even Lendl, he was coming up to him and just going, oh, this is unbelievable. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a great experience. And what he taught, 
all of us that travelled with him, it was a life experience. So, no, educated us for the world upcoming in the world. And what are you up to these days, Michael? Work-wise, doing nothing, but obviously because of health and safety. But um, now I'm just sort of trying to fill the days in going locally to Hallett Cove. And like I said, I'm at the Capella Community Centre here, which has got a skate park and it's great. I mean, I just, I, I drive down in the wheelchair to the Hallett Cove Shopping Centre, have some lunch. Sometimes I brave the elements, but I'll wait until it's summer. Like, <laughs> and, and you're still involved with tennis as well? I do like going and watching it. The kids still play. Uh, the youngest one, she sort of decided tennis is not for me. And so she's playing volleyball and she's very good at that. You, you're there to support all of them, whatever they want to do. So, But, yeah, I do like going to Memorial Drive and watching the tennis there for two weeks. And then I venture over to Melbourne so for the Aussie Open. So, yeah, I still try and watch as much as I can and hopefully I'd like to go to Wimbledon next year. Oh, wonderful. And I guess in terms of being a, a father yourself and how do you how have you coped with those challenges that have come with ending up in a wheelchair, being an able-bodied person to then being in a wheelchair? And- it certainly has changed. The, the, my two oldest ones, is 27 and 25, they still saw me or watched me playing sport when I was able-bodied. But for the youngest one, she's only, well, she's 15 and she's only ever really seen me in the wheelchair and all that. So virtually I've had MS virtually the whole time with her. So she hasn't seen me in any other thing except in the wheelchair and playing wheelchair tennis. But yeah, I'd, I'd always used to say when we go and play wheelchair tennis, don't worry, it won't take long. And like I said, all, all the kids were out there and three hours and 50 minutes later, I was still out and they were all sitting there watching me. But anyway, that was the joys of uh, still playing. Isn't it incredible, though, the, the growth of wheelchair tennis with people like Dylan Alcott going so well over the years? Like he has brought a lot of notoriety to the sport and it is great, you know, and there are, again, there are different levels of wheelchair tennis. There is the open, which includes all, and then, it depends on what your disability is that will get you into the quads. So the quads is only four players that rock up. I was in the open where they were saying I probably should have been classified into the quads, which I'm not saying it's weaker, but everyone has more disabilities. But the wheelchair, they're great guys and they just work hard. Like They do work hard to get their fitness right and pushing and doing all those sort of things, it was great. And what sort of advice do you have for people out there that end up in situations where they go from being an able-bodied sports person or just in general life and then end up in a wheelchair through MS or through other other situations? Yep. Well, what I, what I say to those guys is, and, and that's what keeps me going, it, it could be worse. You could have cancer where there is, I mean, yes, there is no cure for MS as yet, but your life doesn't stop just because you get MS. When you have something like motor neurone disease or cancer, it does stop because it, it attacks the body very quickly. I love the you know, glass half full positive attitude that you got, Michael. Sure. It's a credit to you and and yeah, anyone else that's listening out there that's going through some tough times, take a leaf out of Michael's book and know that you can still live a positive, happy life. Yep. You just, obviously there is, again, there is certain levels. I mean, I do need help. I can't do everything on my own. That's where my wife comes in and I know it is hard on my youngest daughter, but yeah, you just got to adapt and, you know, it is a strain on everyone, 
but you can still enjoy it. Michael Dara, thanks so much for joining us on the SA scene today. Really interesting hearing your journey. And as I mentioned before, just it's great to see you so positive and happy and I wish you all the best going forward for the future and, and look forward to meeting in person. Great, Bevo. Thanks very much for your time and uh, look, look forward to meeting you. Great to catch up with Michael and hear about his journey so far. To our next guest, who is a young tennis star with a very bright future, we welcome Luke Mudra for the first time to the show. Hello. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. Now, you've had a pretty big year so far in 2023. Tell us what you've been up to. Um, well, I've been up to a lot of tennis recently. We recently, I recently went to um, Gold Coast in Brisbane for my uh, tennis tournament. For, so the all states go there for a national tennis tournament. And how did you go over there? Um, good. We SA overall came six out of eleven states, and that was including Pacific Oceania and um New Zealand. So we had really tough battles, and we had so much fun over there. Um, yeah, it was just a great experience. And what about the rest of the year? What other tournaments you've been playing in? Um, well, one recently was the Rafa Nadal tour, and I went in 14s for that, and it's such a good tournament. The venues are great, and it teaches you a lot of stuff about, like, sportsmanship, focus, commitment, and, yeah, it just helps your tennis so much. And the actual the two tournaments you just mentioned, how did you go in those? Did you get close to, to winning them? Um, yeah, well, in the uh, Rafa Nadal tour, I did that up in um, Brisbane as well, and I and we did really well, and it was I did really well, and it was so fun, and I came eleventh overall up in Brisbane, twelfth, and then down here I went in fourteenth, which was tough, and yeah, but I had some really good matches. Because you're only eleven years old yourself, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you're up against some some pretty you know older kids there, a few years older than you. That would have been a pretty big challenge, I can imagine. Yeah, it was really challenging because they were a lot taller, bigger, and stronger. So I really had to focus, move my feet, and just go for my shots. Do you feel as though you know it sort of it's helped you now going forward that you've been able to play against these older guys and and know what it takes to get to that sort of next level? Yeah, it's really helped because I know what you need to be to get to that next level and what you have to, how you have to hit and your intensity and your focus. And when did you first pick up a tennis racket, Luke? Probably really early because, like, me and so mum and I, we had a, we had like a little tennis court in the shed, like one of those red, we had a rebel net. And, um, my mum used to train my sister and I was in the pram and I I, re- I was like crying, really wanting to join in and I was watching them and then she gave me a racket and I, yeah, I just did it ever since then and my first ever lesson was with Ben Milner. I was five, I had a couple lessons and, my, and I also had a couple lessons with my mum she helped me a lot, and now I'm getting coached by 
Scott Dyack, who is a really, really good coach. He's like he's coached um, national level players, and he was thirty. He was top thirty-five in the world. So. Yes, I just interviewed him recently. He's a very nice guy, and he mentioned you actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of you know obviously your dad was a champion football player tell us about how you you chose to play tennis and I, I believe you're still playing footy at the moment um you still if you did have to choose between a sport would it be tennis over footy you think or you're still not sure yet at this current moment um it's tennis and yeah I chose tennis because there was in year four that my um, my teacher, Miss Maidman, she we had an assignment. Um, if you were to go in the Olympics, which sport would you choose? And that made me pick between tennis, footy, and soccer. But obviously, you can't do AFL in um the Olympics, so it was tennis and soccer, and that took me like a very long time to decide. But I ended up choosing tennis, and then from from that from that day, I just started like trying really hard in tennis so you still play footy just for a bit of fun but tennis is your main sport yeah yeah is there that extra pressure on on you you know being the the son of tony and and you know living in his i guess his famous footsteps as well um well i i take it as a good thing i take it like i think it's fun because like yeah and it's good to know that have him as as someone to to talk to and, you know, someone that's actually played at that really high level as a bit of a mentor as well, no doubt. Yeah, that's a really big help because he knows, like, how the pressure is and what you have to do and how to stay calm in those really high-pressure moments. And tell us about some of the other coaches you've had along the way as well, Luke. Um. Well, my first one was my mum. She helped me so much and... She was just an amazing coach to have, even though I didn't listen to her that much. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had Ben Milner. You might have heard of him. He's he's a really good coach. He's coached um, really good people like Lee too and stuff and people like that. And I've also had Adam Fomfi for a little bit. He, he was a good coach. He's a good coach down in Victor Harbour and McLaren Vale. And then now I'm with Vlad Dyke and Sandin Stolly and Sasha and Shannon. And they're they're just amazing. They're such good coaches and they support me and help me so much. One of my friends, Dane Bennett, who's a, a coach as well, I believe has helped you a bit. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'll fit with him. <laughs> yes, he's a good good man. And what about going forward? What's happening for the rest of this rest of this year for your tennis Luke? Um, well, we've got Bruce Cup trials in a couple on Sunday, so that will be a good chance for me. And I've got way more tennis ahead. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. Bruce Cup, which is seven people in under 12s. Well, there's 16 people that go to the trials slash training. And seven of those people get picked and they go to Brisbane and that's for SA. And then they do that all in all the other states and then they all play out in Brisbane. So if you get through to, to that particular stage in Brisbane and you win that, 
what happens from there? Yeah, you play in the Nationals. Wow, that's so exciting. So that's what I'm aiming for, to play, play in the Nationals. And that's all under 12s? Yep. Oh, fantastic. And is there a tennis player that you like to look up to or have as a bit of an idol? Um, well, there's two, actually. I can't decide between the two. Carlos Alcaraz and Alexia Popwin. Good choices. And have you met some South Aussie tennis players along the way as well? Yeah, Alexia, Alexia Popwin. I had a hit with him. Yeah, I love that. That was at Adelaide International. What an experience. I, yeah, I got to interview him. And then my third question, I got to ask three questions. And my third question was, will you have a hit with me? So I got to... <laughs> I got to go on court with him and hit. We played some points. We played five points and I won 3-2. <laughs> well done. So was that through your school? No, it was for the UTR Rising Star in SA. So one boy and one girl got picked. Oh, what an experience. And what is it about tennis that you enjoy um, over some um, of the sports that you play? Friends, first of all. There's, and it's such a good community to be in. And I love just hitting the ball and yeah it's so much fun and I love to I love a challenge and I love trying to beat some harder people or try to have like a really hard challenge. Belong to the Millswood Club is that correct? Uh, There's a couple clubs so Millswood Tennis Club, Back Valley Tennis Club and um, Seacliff Tennis Club Right. Currently, I'm playing for Seacliff, and then I help at Millswood, and I also played for Back Valley. Have you played against some seniors as well, or is it just generally juniors that you play against? Well, with Seacliff, I play under-18 Premier League juniors, and I do uh, seniors Div 6. And with Back Valley, I did Open, which is like everyone. That would be pretty fun. Yeah. And playing under-18s as well. Games play against some of those older kids, that would be a good challenge. Yeah, it's really tough because they all have really big serves and like they strike the ball so hard. And what about, I know you're so young, but what about in the future? What's your, what's your dream? What do you want to do one day? Well, I want to be number one in the world but I and I want to go to the Olympics. Well, I love my strength and conditioning coach, Andrew. He's such a good coach. He's really fun to be around and he's so nice and supportive. And he's a really, really good coach. And he's um and I also love the gym and facilities that we're in at Tennis SA. They're so good and like I don't I don't I haven't been anywhere better where I've been to see tennis facilities. That's a pretty good goal. Well Luke Modra, thanks so much for joining us on the SA scene today. All the very best for the rest of 2023 and your future and we look forward to following your little journey. Thanks. Great to catch up with Luke and hear about how he got into tennis and why he chose tennis over footy. To our final guest for this episode, we welcome Andrew Ferner. After his recent appointment to Tennis Australia, we find out more about his role and why the job excited him before applying. Andrew also shares what it's like to work with Luke and some of the other young guns in tennis in South Australia. Part of the um, National Development Squad for Tennis uh, Australia in, in South Australia. And tell us more about that role, how you got it, your journey into that particular role, Andrew. I've had a, a sporting background my whole life and obviously entered into sports science and strength conditioning. So, yeah, my I had a family background in, in that area as well. So it was sort of a natural uh, evolution and progression for me to, you know, keep venturing into that space. But I guess over the years, I found my 
uh, passion in tennis um, as opposed to the you know, Aussie rules football, which I played myself growing up. Um, and tennis was sort of like my side sport. But yeah, having done more work with a few tennis players um, in SA and getting a bit more experience um, around the traps with them. Yeah, like I said, I, I found a passion in tennis and um, ended up obviously applying for this particular role when it came about um, almost 12 months ago. And yeah, here I am. And tell us about some of the young players you work with at the moment, Andrew. Yeah, I guess like we focus on players, you know, entering the the program from, you know, 10, 11 um, and then go through to probably upwards to 16 and up beyond. Um, so the whole aim of the program is to to push um, the high performers into the, the National Academy up in Queensland. Yeah, I mean, like I love getting uh, my teeth stuck into, uh, if that's the right way to put it, um, th- these developing athletes and um I guess working with them and, and building relationships to you know further their tennis journey, but you know I guess looking at it specifically from you know the physical development side of things, which is um, not only interesting but you know something I'm, I'm super passionate about. And working with these young ones as well it must give you a, a great feeling knowing that uh, and and seeing them go on to have success. That must be one of the things you really enjoy about the role. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I guess like again the passion in me like stems from you know. You know, actually seeing that so it's you know really rewarding to see your, your work come to fruition but you know, you're dealing with human beings so you know navigate those that path and um i guess the the various interests interests from um not only the athlete themselves but you know the coach and you know even the parents which are a really important part of that process um is interesting and i guess the dynamics that play out um you know everyone's a bit different so you kind of got a problem solve you know uh, as you go and, and work with people um that's all sort of mixed into this melting pot of uh you know junior athlete development and, and how do you sort of come up with your programs for these young athletes as well Andrew because obviously especially Luke I was chatting to the mm. other day Luke Modra was only 11 years old so it, it mm. must be difficult and, and I guess yeah what age groups are the the, the kids that you work mm. with range from good question yeah there's definitely like I suppose a body of knowledge around you know what's the ideal you know, development pathway and how do you, you know, maximize someone's athletic outcomes. So I guess it's you know, founded on uh, literature. Some of it's, you know, strong and then other parts of it, I suppose, are still developing. And so, for example, like, you know, long-term athletic development model, which is something we use um, as a framework, you know, still uh, sort of developing. But, you know, there are definitely some ins and outs and some strong research in and around, you know, the best practice within all that. And I guess, you know, like, going into the the weeds so to speak like one of those aspects uh, really revolves around you know the growth and maturation of of the athlete um so you know we we talk in terms of like pre uh adolescence um during adolescence or um post adolescence and i guess what happens is is there's different approaches um that you will apply um and strategies with with different athletes depending on where they're at in that process and so what's what age group do you start at and and yeah what's what's the finish mm. i suppose in terms of the athletes you're working with at the moment the the program you know enters or, or athletes enter into our program at uh around 10 years old um and i guess traditionally like there's been this um you could say misconception around you know not doing any form of you know gym training um you know before adolescence or even during but it's definitely a definitely a misnomer, um, and I guess the idea is it's a more a matter of introducing them to this side of the equation, so developing you know some musculoskeletal strength. But for example, there's a a really um, important part 
of you know increasing bone mineral density you know prior to adolescence in terms of setting up the athlete you know later on down the track so things like jumping and landing and you know some basic squat patterns um, are pretty integral to um, that part of the process um, and, and I guess like probably the other part is you know allowing them to to be kids and explore their movement patterns um, sort of prior to adolescence and then you know, moving you know more into adolescence, you could probably talk about that phase as being a bit more of a formal um, training approach, um, where it's a bit more orientated around you know doing a gym where you got your three sets of ten or or whatever it might be. But yeah, I guess still you know balancing that out with you know some or what we call multilateral development, which is you know looking at a wide range of skills, not just. Um, athletic skills or tennis skills but even um you know movement skills around um you know it could be running backwards uh crossover dodging weaving that type of thing which uh i suppose aren't directly related to tennis but they have an indirect um approach to this sort of wide repertoire of of athleticism that we talk about in it in our field and you mentioned before you, you played tennis growing up and and, and you also played mm. footy, footy as well. Where'd you play your tennis and, and what, what was the sort of highest stage you got to, Andrew? I, I definitely grew up in a, a football-orientated family, so that was <laughs> sort of always in my um, – the, the, my destiny is already set, so to speak. Um, my my dad played football, so, um, yeah, it was only natural for me to sort of follow, I suppose, in those footsteps. So um, I guess I went through the, the Port Adelaide Magpies development system myself and you could say – you know, cut my own teeth on um, what hard work and you know, dedication, commitment, you know, to the cause uh, was all about. But we always sort of played tennis as a family. Like we had a, a tennis court growing up. So, you know, we not only played tennis, but, you know, you know, cricket, soccer, all these various things, you know, get home from school and you have you know, friends come over and do that sort of thing. So it was, you know, a pretty active um, childhood for me. But I guess I picked up some skills in, you know, in tennis, but, from having a, a court growing up and um, I never really uh, got any formal coaching or, you know, really played formal uh, tournaments, you know, throughout my childhood. But I suppose as I got older um, and took more interest in tennis, I wanted to, to see, you know, how good I could become. And it just became a bit of a personal um, passion to try and, you know, challenge myself and push myself, I suppose, post playing football. And it was a bit nicer on the body as well. <laughs> you, which which club did you play for? Uh, tied in uh, at Broadview Tennis Club, yeah. So sort of oh. lived in that area and, yeah, played like many seasons out there, got a good group of people around, which I think is really important to just enjoying the experience. And you still have a hit today as well? Yeah, I do, 100%. Like really, really enjoy it. And I think like kind of infused with my interest in the sport to you know, like learn and understand it and feel it. I think it's an uh, important part of you know what I do. And I guess what excites you about the role that you're now doing within Tennis Australia? Being involved in tennis and, um, you know, TA as an organisation, definitely a, a highlight. I suppose, like you said before, like being able to work with, you know, young tennis athletes and educate and guide and um, see them, you know, grow and develop and, and have an impact in that or in their experience um, is, is pretty satisfying. And, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I suppose the ultimate goal for me would be to uh, see someone you know, go through to the, the highest level of the sport and, and know that you've, um, you know, had a helping hand in their journey, um, that'd be phenomenal. So, for example, when, when Luke plays away, do you travel with Luke as well, like almost like a personal trainer for him each day that he's competing or is it sort of all you're always based in Adelaide? I've travelled on or to 
uh, two national tournaments. So I guess we as a team um, go and support our SA athletes um, in those tournaments. And that's been brilliant. Like I've not only enjoyed um, the experience and, and working with the athletes, you know, through these tournaments, but you also get to see what the level's like across the country. Um, so it's been pretty impactful for me um, and my development to know, I guess, what the, the highest junior standard is in, in this country. But as far as, you know, going specifically with um, individual athletes, no, the role doesn't um, cater to that, that part of it, or at least not that, that I'm aware of. Thank you so much for joining us today on the SA scene and, and really interesting to hear about your journey so far. And, and I'm sure that the tennis in South Australia is in really good hands, you know, knowing that you're the, the strength and conditioning coach and people like Luke speak, speak so highly of you. So, you know, I'm sure there's, uh, you know, a lot of others that be heading down that same path of, of getting you on board as well. No, thanks very much, mate. Um, yeah, and yeah, love sharing the passion um, and and what I'm I'm capable of uh, doing in terms of helping these athletes. So and and great to be on on your podcast and let's let's get the message out there. Fantastic to hear from Andrew and hear about his journey so far. Thanks for tuning in for the sixth of our monthly SAC podcasts for 2023. If you have a guest idea, drop us a line at thefirstservesen at gmail.com. That's thefirstservesen at gmail.com. Catch you next time. The First Serve is your home of tennis at thefirstserve.com.au. Log on to find out all the details of our live radio show, other podcasts, read weekly features by our team of writers, and follow us on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.